My name is Jamie Howison, and I'm the priest missioner at St. Benedict's Table, and as Kelly said, this is season six of Idea Exchange for Us. This originally came about as an idea that one of the younger people in the community had, where she said, you know, every time she went out with friends, they would say that they that were not interested in the church at all, but they would always end up talking about God. She said it would be really interesting to have an opportunity to gather people outside of the walls of the stained glass and uh, engage stuff of faith in the public square, and so this series was born. Tonight's presentation is, in a sense, part two of uh, something that Chris started off last season. Chris Holmes is a professor of theology and ethics at Providence Seminary, is also doing a ministry internship with us at St. Benedict's Table. He'll be deaconed in the Anglican Church next month. And uh, last season he did a thing on uh, Bonhoeffer as the figure who threw the spoke into the wheels of Nazism, was noted for his role in the resistance movement, and tried to make sense of that as a theologian. And tonight this is kind of, in a sense, is a continuation of some of those issues as he reflects on Bonhoeffer's rather, probably uh, for many of us, unexpected approach to Christian ethics. Chris Holmes. Well, thank you for coming out on a warm, relatively warm anyways, October evening. Last time I did this was in January, January 9th, 2009, and it was much uh, colder than it was this evening. I, I'd like to start off with a quote from Karl Barth, and he is uh, a theologian who holds a special place in my heart. He died in 1968 and taught for years at the University of Basel in Switzerland. And uh, this is a rather... Um, arresting quote, and I think it really sets a tone for much of what I would like to say this evening. The divine is something whole, complete in itself, a kind of new and different something in contrast to the world. It does not permit of being applied, stuck on, and fitted in. It does not permit of being divided and distributed, for the very reason that it is more than religion. It does not passively permit itself to be used. It overthrows and builds up as it wills. It was written in 1919 by Karl Barth in a a lecture he gave in the the town of Tambach, Germany. Before I elaborate upon that, I'd just like to say a couple of words about who I am and where I'm coming from. Uh, I speak to you tonight as a a Christian, and I speak to you out of the Anglican tradition. That is a tradition in which I am located, and obviously in which uh, Jamie is located. I speak to you tonight as, as a preacher, and as a seminary theologian. So I have a vested interest in this subject matter at hand. This is not um, purely an academic exercise for me. It's anything but. Christian faith is the place from which I live and move, I trust, and have my being. And so I don't speak about Bonhoeffer or what I think it means to live humanely and ethically from a, from a neutral point of view. I speak to you from, from within the tradition uh, as a person of faith. I'm a newspaper reader. I guess that makes me somewhat obsolete uh, in certain circles. But I do, uh, I do rather, I would rather read the Globe and Mail or the New York Times any day than the Huffington Post. Uh, namely, because the Huffington Post ends up directing me to the Globe and Mail or to the New York Times or some other site like that. But I do read newspapers at least as much as I have time to, given life circumstances and whatnot. And I came across a piece last April, actually profiling a United Church minister named Greta Vosper. That name might, might ring a bell for some of you. 
And Greta is probably one of the most uh, influential voices in what you might call mainstream Christianity today. She founded and chairs the Toronto-based Centre for Progressive Christianity. And she's a minister at Toronto's West Hill United Church. And last year she, last year she published a book called With or Without God. With or Without God, Why the Way We Live is More Important Than What We Believe. And it became a bestseller in Canada anyways. And in this book, she argues that the Christian church, in the form uh, in which it exists today, has outlived its viability. And either it sheds its no longer credible myths, doctrines, or dogmas, or its toast. It's not a terribly subtle take, I might say, on um, the Christian faith. Her book, uh, as I mentioned, was a bestseller and really is a fiercely intense polemic with respect to the uselessness of creedal Christianity or of classical Christianity. For Vosper, the Bible is but a human project filled with contradictions and the conflicting worldviews and political perspectives of its authors. Uh, it is no more useful than any, any number of books from antiquity. It is but a, a human book. So as a result of that, what she would have us do, which I find very interesting and, and in my judgment, profoundly naive, is that she would have congregations work together to define God, maybe capital G or, or small g, uh, in accordance with their own worked out definitions of what the holy and sacred means and, and is. So she would have us together uh, on a Sunday morning instead of, I suppose, going golfing or something like that, at least when it's warm. Not that I'm a, a golfer. Well, I have tried, but... but horribly unsuccessfully <laughs> she would have us uh, come together and to define a god in our own image a god that we think is useful and serviceable for the kinds of political and social projects that we want to engage in so i highlight vosper as, as a dominant voice in canadian christianity that says something quite different from dietrich bonhoeffer and what um, he was on about in this early lecture of his entitled christianity the basic question of a christian ethic Another voice that I want to talk about briefly is that of Karen Armstrong. And I'm sure that some of you have heard of Karen Armstrong, perhaps have heard her lecture or read her books. Uh, she is probably, one could argue, uh, one of the world's best-known living writers on religion. And she just published a new book. She published several, but the, the newest one is entitled The Case for God. In this book, she makes a case for an apophatic theology. Now, that's a good... Um, dinner party term. And what she says of apophatic theology is this. It's the argument that nothing can be said about God because God is beyond the ability of human reasoning to define, too vast to be labeled as a being and only knowable as being. Now, I think Armstrong is correct in a sense. She's correct in the sense that the God of the Bible, I believe, is one who is beyond the, the ability of human reason to define. Indeed, without revelation, I think one can say very little, at least uh, that is truthful anyways, about God. But that is where she errs. She doesn't take uh, the central teaching of the Christian faith adequately seriously. And that teaching is, is the incarnation. The belief, the, the basic Christian confession that God becomes human out of love for humanity. The incarnation, rather audaciously, makes it possible for us to say something true about God precisely because God wills to be known and served and worshipped as God is. Now, this is, of course, a profound scandal. Uh, Karl Barth, whom I cited earlier, referred to it many years ago as the scandal 
of particularity, the scandal of particularity. And by that, he simply means that at the center of Christian faith is this very contentious belief. And that belief is that God is really like Jesus Christ, that God is really like Jesus Christ, that God does encounter and redeem the world, the whole world in a first century Jew, Jesus of Nazareth. I'd like to, as a bridge to, to quote St. Paul, if I could, a few words from St. Paul, specifically a little letter that he wrote to a fledgling church leader by the name of Timothy. And I think Paul here says something that really flies in the face of what Vosper, Greta Vosper and Karen Armstrong and whatnot are speaking about. And in the third chapter of 1 Timothy, uh, verse, beginning at the 14th verse, St. Paul writes this, I come to you soon, but I am writing these instructions to you so that, if I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Without any doubt, the mystery of our religion is great. He was revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. It's a magnificent early hymn in what is a difficult and yet also wonderfully rich letter. What I take St. Paul to be simply saying is that the mystery of God is concrete, is revealed in the flesh, revealed in the the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is for St. Paul, the mystery of God. But according to folks like Vosper and Armstrong, the mystery of God is something else. God is mystery insofar as we can't speak about God at all, which is true if if God had actually willed to be known and spoken of and loved as God is. But the scandal of the faith is that God has given God's self to be known in Jesus Christ. And if that is indeed the case, as Flannery O'Connor would say, the furniture of the world gets thrown all around. The furniture of the world gets thrown all around. Now Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the name of of course is a familiar one to all of you. He was martyred in April 945 at the age of 39 years old. He was uh, a noted um, resistor, uh, one of the chief architects of the resistance movement. He was a pastor. He was a theologian of the first rate. And for me personally, one who, for whom theology and biography are one, a really, truly, remarkably inspiring figure. When I ask myself, what, what do I want to do for the next 35 years as far as scholarship, my scholarship is concerned anyways, I, I can't think of much more that I would want to do than comment upon, on Bart and on Bonhoeffer and move there are basic insights forward in a way that um, helps a very different generation and a very different context to see the profundity of their insights. Anyways, when Bonhoeffer was only 24, which is, when I was 24, what was I doing? I, was, I wasn't giving a lecture in Barcelona, Spain, entitled Basic Questions of a Christian Ethic, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that's the kind of thing he was doing, though. But that's, of course, because he, well, he finished his doctorate when he was 21. And in Germany, one has to do... Uh, two doctorates in order to get what, what we in North America would get for one doctorate. In other words, one has to write two PhD theses, both of which have to, have to be published. Well, Bonhoeffer managed to do this by the time he was 21. So that gives you a sense of the fact that this is not an ordinary 21-year-old. Um, so anyways, 24 years old, he's in Barcelona, Spain, uh, serving a German-speaking congregation there. 
And on a Friday night, I guess this is the kind of thing you could do on a Friday night in Barcelona, Spain in 1928, uh, is you could give a lecture entitled Basic Questions of a Christian Ethic and lots of people would come. <laughs> and, the lecture, and the lecture would be about... No, no, that's not a, at all. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. The lecture would have probably been about... Well, I looked at the text and I thought to myself, my word, that would have taken at least two hours to read. Probably more. It reminds me of that funny passage in Acts, right, where Paul is preaching and the young man falls asleep, falls out of the window and dies, and then St. Paul comes and, according to Acts, uh, raises him. This wonderful lecture, Basic Questions of a Christian Ethic, it is a work of his youth. And I don't say that as a criticism, but just simply to say that it doesn't read as well as some of his more mature work. But nonetheless, there are some fairly stunning insights in it that I would like to share very briefly with you um, with you tonight. I read this lecture for the first time uh, last summer on a warm July afternoon, and I found myself not uh, not able to put it down. And that is because his words are indeed strange and new, and they help me in a very simple way, I think, to understand the heart of the moral vision of the New Testament. And they keep helping me, and I hope you tonight, to see that being Christian is not a matter of acting in accordance, and I quote here, it's not a matter of acting in accordance with universally valid Christian norms and commandments applicable to contemporary ethical questions. Now, why on earth would a young pastor say such a thing? Uh, in fact, someone, Jamie, Jamie told me that someone told him that my talk for tonight was actually entitled Christianity is Basically Immoral. <laughs> not amoral, but immoral. <laughs> not, that's not, uh, not, not indeed the case, I don't, I don't think. But um, why would he say something like that? Well, for Bonhoeffer, uh, Christianity speaks of the exclusive path from God to human beings, from within God's own compassionate love towards the unholy, the sinful. Well, ethics, ethics speaks of the path from human beings to God. Both Greta Vosper and Karen Armstrong assume that human beings are on a path to God. What Bonhoeffer does is completely invert that. He says that, no, 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 to talk about God is, is, is not a business of ours or even a possibility, at least for Christian faith. For Christian faith, the path is always from God to us. The path is always from God to us. There is no path from us to God. And that's really what differentiates his approach from the get-go, from many modern and, you might say, postmodern approaches. Now, the problem with, at least according to Bonhoeffer, with approaches to Christian ethics that suggest there is such a thing as Christian morality is that they are far too human-centered, that they are far too human-centered. Christian faith is radical for many reasons. Christianity is not morality. It's not morality. And the reason I think that's so important to remember is that Christianity is all about God's coming to us in the human being, in the Jew Jesus of Nazareth. But human beings, human beings to whom God uh, comes in Christ, we are very adept, we are very good at making gods in our own image. We are very good, as John Calvin would say, that the 16th century Protestant reformer, very good at being idol factories. And Christian faith counters this tendency by talking about gods being revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the exclusive path from God to human beings, from God to human beings. He is the incarnation of God's own compassionate love toward the unholy, the sinful. So Bonhoeffer thinks it's important to start with this, because it overturns traditional approaches to ethics. Ethics speaks of the path from human beings to God, but there is one path from God to human beings, and that is the path of love in Christ, the path of the cross. What is the young Bonhoeffer suggesting? That modern approaches to ethics, both from within the faith and outside of the faith, assume what 
the brilliant um, Canadian philosopher of religion Charles Taylor calls a closed world. They assume a closed world. In other words, there's just us. There's just us. You and I are all that there is. There is nothing beyond ourselves, our own immediate horizon. We are the measure of all things. So to ask what it is that we should do is only to ask with reference to ourselves. That is essentially the world I, I think that we live in, at least in the West. And many people, both inside and outside the church, believe this, or at least most of the time. Why? Because we live in a world of science and reason. We appeal to reason, most especially, to help us act ethically. Indeed, reason is what we use in order to escape our dependence on anything that lies outside of us. I'm not saying that reason is bad uh, in and of itself. Please don't get me wrong. But reason, as Aquinas would say, uh, or Thomas Aquinas, great Roman Catholic theologian from the Middle Ages, argued that reason needs to be taken up by revelation. Needs, reason needs to be taken captive it's, if it's to do the work that God uh, intends it or intended it to do. So, Christianity, says Bonhoeffer, is amoral, meaning that being a Christian or being a Christian community isn't about the fostering of a certain kind of morality. Why is that? It's because morality very often does quite well without Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is often, I've observed, eclipsed by some of the most immoral people I know. Uh, dealing with his Jesus and his commandments is very often more difficult than dealing with ourselves. The significance of all of Jesus' ethical commandments is rather to say to people, you stand before the face of God. God's grace rules over you but you are at the disposal of someone else in the world. Wow, that is good news. But in our day and age, that's hardly construed as good news. The notion that we are ruled over goes completely against our late modern understanding of freedom. Because to be free is what? To be free is to be an independent, to be autonomous. It is to be an island onto, onto oneself. But for Bonhoeffer, the, the opposite is, is the truth. Indeed, the, the person, the community that is free is the person or the community that has a Lord, the Lord. The Christian faith is very radical and very political in the sense that it announces to the world that it has a Lord. It proclaims to a world drunk on its independence that it does stand before the face of God. Even though the world and, unfortunately, uh, the church does not often believe that, that it is at another's disposal. Bonhoeffer, as a Christian pastor, believes that it is. And he argues, moreover, that, that it's actually a good thing, that it's good for us and for the world. The eighth quote speaks to what I just uh, mentioned. The quote reads, One has only the decisive moment at hand. That is, every moment is of potential ethical value. What does he mean? Simply this, because we human beings whether we believe it or not, are ruled over. Every moment is of potential ethical value. So ethics is therefore not something we do when we feel like it. It's not something we do when we feel like it. Every moment of every day can be profoundly ethical or vested with ethical meaning. This is because life lived under God is, according to Bonhoeffer, a life of freedom. It is a life wherein we are free to respond to God's claim over us in word and in deed at every moment in time. This is what he means when he says that or argues that every moment is of potential ethical value. 
Every moment of every day can be a moment in which you and I respond to God's claim. And for what does God claim us? God claims us very simply for love of God and love of neighbor near and far. The gospel, you might say, frees us for others. In another context, in a a lovely little book, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, called Life Together, uh, Bonhoeffer will call Jesus the man for others. The man for others, with the the for, the fur, uh, italicized. We too are to be for others. This is, if you will, the law under which we human beings stand. A direct quote, there is only the law of freedom that is bearing responsibility alone before God and oneself. Now, this idea of being responsible is, is hardly music to our late modern ears. It continually astonishes me how our uh, North American society holds up, I mentioned this a moment ago, autonomy as, as, a, as almost something to be worshipped. And I think the gated, the notion of a gated community is a perfect illustration of that, is it not? I, I, I don't know. The last time I was down in Florida, I just was amazed uh, how many gated communities there are in the places you want to go. And of course, you can't get to the beach you want to get to because of the gated communities in the way. And that's a perfect illustration. Well, maybe if I had the money to buy one of those places in Naples or whatever, I might. <laughs> no, I wouldn't feel differently. Um, but uh, but it is, I think, a, a handy analogy insofar as we just we deeply resist the idea that we are responsible to anyone beyond ourselves, to our own wants, to our own desires as consumers in North America. But Bonhoeffer argues something very radical in opposition to that. He argues that in being responsible before God and, and being responsible for other people, there lies the path to being human. Human beings, fully human beings, take responsibility for others. A Christian ethic will always be concerned first and foremost with people with real people. But the problem with morality, however, is that it isn't often concerned with people. It's far more concerned with fixed moral regulations or ethical principles. But the problem with principles, again, is that we tend, and this is a quote, is that we tend to act according to principles rather than from the concrete situations of crisis with which God confronts us. Let me illustrate this. Uh, This past spring and summer, I worked as a, a, a student chaplain at the Victoria General Hospital in Winnipeg. And it was a very hard experience, uh, especially for an introvert like myself. Uh, sometimes patients are in acute medicine for only a few days, uh, others for months. I should men- mention that I spent most of my time in acute medicine, some time in ER, but mostly um, working in acute medicine. And early on in my work there, I met a patient named Flo. I'll call her Flo. That's not her real name. Uh, Flo was 94. I say was because she is now deceased. Her body was doing what most 94-year-old bodies do. That is, it was shutting down. But some of her children insisted that she should be kept alive. Adult children, obviously, because she's 94. And in the process of uh, conversing with them over Flo's state, it became very clear for some of them that the medical team was to use whatever means it could to keep her alive, even if those treatments were incredibly invasive. And even if those treatments, in, in the most invasive ones in her case, would only give her a couple more weeks at best, it seemed to me that some of the family were acting in accordance with a principle, with a mantra, which is this, life at all costs, life at all costs. By the way, she was not conscious or participating in any of this decision making. There was nothing, literally 75, 80 pounds of her, that's all there was. It seemed to me that several of the family members were not acting in a way demanded by the shell of a human being in the hospital bed before them. Bonhoeffer calls us to act concretely 
And by that he means that we are to take people, situations more seriously than slogans and principles. Disciples of Jesus are earthy people. They are not to evade concrete situations of crisis with which God confronts them. What matters uh, before you and I is the, the person before us. Believing that Jesus speaks his life-giving command to love God and neighbor in all situations is what makes men and women ethical. Ethical men and women in Bonhoeffer's judgment are those who respond to that command in, in all of the situations, the myriad situations in which they find themselves. What is so important to recognize for Bonhoeffer is that being responsible for God is also a matter of living responsibly before the world. God and world are indeed united in Jesus Christ. So responsibility to God is responsibility to the world God loves, which is, I think, just an absolutely beautiful and terribly important emphasis. I say that because in his time, and in our time too, it's very common to separate God and world. But what if uh, responsibility to God, fidelity to God, is actually responsibility to the world God loves? He fleshes this out beautifully in a later work uh, entitled His Ethics, which he wrote in 4041 and 42. And I've got a, a lengthy quote there, and it, it, it really is, on, on many levels, absolutely remarkable. He writes this, Behold, God become human, the un- unfathomable mystery of the love of God for the world. God loves human beings. God loves the world, not an ideal world, but human beings as they are. Not an ideal world, but the real world. What we find repulsive in their opposition to God What we shrink back from with pain and hostility, namely real human beings, the real world, this is for God the ground of unfathomable love. God establishes a most intimate unity with this. God becomes human, a real human being. While we exert ourselves to grow beyond our humanity, to leave the human behind us, God becomes human. And we must recognize that God wills that we be human real human beings. Christian ethics is all about being human. It's all about living really humanly. It's not about being moral, per se, or about adherence to principles or norms supposedly derived or harvested from the Bible. A Christian ethic, rather, is all about resisting the tendency to shrink back from humanity. It is about ways of being and living that discourage us from leaving the human being behind us. The ethical can only be found within the bonds of history, in concrete situations, in the moment of divine call, writes Bonhoeffer. Therefore, the Christian ethic, or a Christian ethics, a Christian ethic, is not about fleeing from humanity, from the real world into an ideal world, which I must admit is very uncomfortable for us to hear. For we work really hard to make sure that our world remains one that is more or less uninterrupted. But if we are honest with ourselves, that is, if we are honest with ourselves, uh, we do want that kind of world. We want to grow beyond our humanity. We want to leave the human behind us. A Christian ethic encourages us to confront the human being in front of us. As a parent of two little girls, one and three, I must say that I'm continually amazed and sometimes deeply frustrated by how much my time as a parent is taken up with care for bodies. Little people's bodies are high maintenance, 
diapers need to be changed, bums cleaned and wiped, hands held, tears dried, stomachs filled, little bodies bathed, exercised. This is the reality of bodily life. And it is much like life in the hospital. Hospital staff, and I was amazed at just watching the hospital staff, most of them anyways, with whom I worked in the summer and spring, attend to and try to heal what is afflicting the bodies and very often then the spirits of the men and women in acute medicine. Now, some of you will recall the shenanigans that took place uh, last week in Colorado. You know the hoax, the hoax about the balloon in flight with a little boy being supposedly stuck and trapped inside. Now, it was a stunt, as the world knows, designed to land a shrewd and publicity-mad father of three young children, a reality show contract. Uh, I, I learned a few days ago that the husband and wife had appeared on a show called Wife Swap. Correct? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Um, at the lunch table at Providence College and Seminary this week, where I work, one of my colleagues said in response to this, the reason why the media went gaga over such a story is that it is our society's way of, rem- of actually convincing ourselves that we really care about human life, even when we treat it most of the time as if, as if it were nothing but cheap. His words touched a chord in me. For they reminded me of what Bonhoeffer, as a very young pastor, was concerned about, namely this, the preservation of life. The Christian ethic is a life-preserving ethic, for it is an ethic of Jesus Christ. It is not the dispassionate yes of a judge, but the merciful yes of a compassionate sufferer. To conclude... Bonhoeffer would later call Hitler. Hitler, of course, wasn't really... Uh, he, was, he was just a, a small man on the horizon at this point in time. But Bonhoeffer would later call Hitler the terror, ty- tyrannical despiser of humanity. The tyrannical despiser of humanity. Hitler, one could argue, was a very principled man. He was a man committed to a norm. And that norm was the creation of a superior, that is an Aryan race. But in the face of one who not only held humanity in contempt, but idolized it, there stands, Bonhoeffer reminds us, Jesus Christ. He is the judge of humanity and its renewal. He would neither have us use people by appealing to their basic basest instincts, nor have us withdraw in disgust from them and leave them to their own devices. It is for Bonhoeffer, Jesus Christ, who is the basis of ethics. To be ethical is to participate in his form. Ethics is a matter of following in his way and to participate in what he is doing and what he is doing to remake humanity and to keep human life human. Thank you very much.